This is Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband give each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Bibliovile, I read Crimson Run by Julia Cooney and Craig Martell, and Mick read The Fairer Hex by Lydia Foxglove. Welcome to Bibliovile. My name is Mick Dickinson. And I'm Susan Dickinson. And we are here for another week of bringing you the worst books that we could find. This time we are back to the Amazon Kindle because one can only resist monopolies for so long. Yeah, it's a real bummer, but the little free libraries were just a little too tumultuous for me. We got some good books. We wound up with the stainless steel rat and whatever mystery romance situation you wound up with last time. Married in Seattle. But I just can't forgive the little free libraries for giving me Blood of the Children. The book titled Blood of the Children. I plan on getting a lot of new listeners on episode (laughs) 2.18 or whatever. So I was thinking today I had reason to uh, take a look at myself and really ask about conspiracy theories. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of conspiracy theories going on. Uh, about poisoning police officers or lighting off fireworks, these sorts of things. Oh, yep, yep. So there's there's a lot of conspiracy <laughs> theories, and I've got one of my own that's very relevant to how people might be enjoying this podcast. But before we get going, have you do you believe in any conspiracy theories? Not just like know any, but like believe in any. Um, I think I buy in a little bit to the conspiracy theories surrounding Princess Diana's death. I think uh care to elaborate on I think that the I think that Prince Charles not Prince Charles Prince Charming No um Elizabeth's husband what's his name I, don't I know. think he had something Andrew. to do with it Um Philip Prince Philip had something to do with it I do buy into that one Um I don't think Marilyn Monroe committed suicide Um Why do you think she was killed then Uh probably some connection with the Kennedys Oh they got enough of those Yeah I also had a conspiracy theory of my own that I came up with when I was in high school. The best kind of conspiracy theory. That Google was trying to take over the world. And this came about because they bought a bunch of land in Council Bluffs near where I grew up for a server farm. And my theory was that they were going to take over the world by slowly purchasing it bit by bit. Mm. And then right around that time, they came out with, with the droid um, and their marketing for the Android phone was like, the invasion is coming. And that just lended credence to my theory. So you thought that Google was going to buy the world and then... I mean, with the they t- kind of have bought the world. They are like one of the biggest monopolies. Listen, David Bowie and... No. Yeah, David Bowie and Nirvana would tell you that there was a man who bought the world, but it didn't end up happy for him. Mm-hmm. What are your conspiracies? Do you believe in any conspiracy My theories? major conspiracy theories around Apple, almost entirely, which is kind of funny. Yeah, I feel like that's fair. Apple and nearly any uh, technology company almost certainly and 100% uh, builds obsolescence into their products. Mm-hmm. Uh, they Apple was caught cutting the speed of their phones, and they were like, oh. It's because as the battery gets bad, we got to cut the speed so that the battery doesn't run out. It's like, then why does the battery run out, Apple? My second theory about Apple, and it has to do with how some people might be listening to this. 
is that I believe that Apple is the vault tech of our times. You've never played any sort of Fallout game, have you? No, I don't know what vault tech is. Vault tech is the company that built the big underground bunkers where the hum- some of the human race survived the nuclear war and Fallout. Okay. And secretly, vault tech was doing a bunch of experiments on the people who lived in the vaults. For example, there was one vault that... Uh, was uh, like entirely based on luck. It was in the it was in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So like every decision had to be made with the roulette table to see how that would treat compulsive gambling or something like that. It's all baloney garbage. Very the lowest of sci-fi. But anyway, they were all secretly running an experiment instead of saving the human race. I think that Apple is the vault tech of our civilization, not because they're saving anybody, but because I think the entire Apple catalog since two thousand and eight has been designed to see just how bad they can make their products and programs and still have people use them. I think it is a stress test on brand loyalty to see where they can go. And I feel like you are in particular talking about the monstrosity that is iTunes. iTunes is a nightmare. It's It's terrible. It is the worst of all things. I I have been trying to purchase... Marin Morris's most recent album for a year and a half, and I have not been able to do so. Well, that's not all bad then, but... <laughs> hey, rude. Podcasts are an audio <laughs> medium. They can't see your silly face, uh, your, your squish face. But the reason is I couldn't... I have not listened <clears throat> to the past 12 episodes, and I know that like a, a person who's good at podcasts doesn't listen to themselves anyway because it's really self-indulgent, but... We do. Yeah, we do. We're really full of ourselves and self-indulgent. And I haven't listened to like the past 10 because number one, I can't be asked to find my iPod and charge it. And number two, even charging an iPod and having all sorts of this baloney garbage pop up is a nightmare and I hate it. So you might be listening to this. If you're not, you might want to try it. Uh, We are on Spotify now. Look at us. Content creators. Content creators. It looks much more professional to be on Spotify. I I just hooked it up to the SoundCloud. That is absolutely the adjective that I would use to describe this podcast. Professional. Well, speaking of professional, our artist uh, name is, is The Dickinson's. Because if you search for a person's name and they make a podcast, you'll be able to find them. And mm. I'm terrified that someone will search my name, one of my students, and find this podcast that I've been doing for uh, <laughs> five years. Yeah. Going for on longer six. than you've been teaching. Yeah. So that would be really bad. So instead, uh, it's just the Dickinsons. And if it ties to my Spotify account, then I have to make that private. And how's anyone going to appreciate my Dickinsons classroom playlist if I have to put my Spotify on Terrible. private? So anyway, if you are not listening to this on Spotify, give that a chance because it's super easy to click follow and everything like that. Uh, I think we might get a better read on how many people actually listen to this podcast from Spotify stuff than iTunes because iTunes provided basically nothing uh, to its users or creators. Uh, here's here's the thing though are we still going to put this episode on itunes so that any of our loyal listeners can find us well yeah so itunes is all podcast stuff is is just reading an rss feed and itunes is hooked up to it so someone might be listening to this on itunes and it's like i'm shit talking the boss yeah and because they're always listening they're gonna know 
That's another conspiracy theory right That there. one I do believe in. I think that our phones are always listening well, to us because I had a student of mine that talked about her new brand of shoes that I had never heard of before. And then for the rest of time, I will be getting ads for them on Instagram. So. Grip and rip it, baby. Grip and rip it, baby. Except well, it's a alcohol-free seltzer, but not Mondays. <laughs> Um, so we are here to tell you about some bad books that we got. Susan may have trouble remembering and, and bringing back the feeling of her book because she read it in about two days, about two days after the last episode posted. So it's, as the bare naked ladies would say, it's been a while. It's been a while. Um, I That's actually had I to joking. really sit down and think about what book did I even read? Um, but I had a, I, I had other books that I wanted to get to, and I wanted to get through this one. So, um, do you remember a few books ago? The twenty fifth night. Of September? You got me a book about it was uh, Judge, Jury, and Executioner. Yes, that that's one? by the same guy. Yeah. Yes, this is by the same guy, except <laughs> it is by Craig Martell and a woman named Julia Hooney. Um, Julia, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Um, but you so the thing that I appreciated about this book was that it had none of Craig Martell's terrible writing in it. What it felt like was that this actually good at writing author took the world that Craig Martell had built and wrote a book in that like already established universe. And mm. he got to put his name on it because he had created the world, but she actually developed the characters and wrote the story. So this one, I gotta say, was much, much better than Aww. whatever that one was. The Judge, Jury, and Executioner situation. So you pulled, you pulled the Tom Clancy. This book is... Okay. Espionage and space and the main character is Mob Mom. Mad Mob Mom. Mad Mob Mom. Um, there is a spy family, the Marconis. They're led by their grandma... It's got some very definite um, Bombay family yeah. of assassins I vibes, bring that up. which I appreciated very much. Um, the beginning of this story, so our main character... Um, is this Mad Mob Mom? Yeah, Mad Mob Mom. Our main character, Quinn, is former military. This all takes place in space, so it's space military. Um, she, Her husband is now still... Now on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Space military. Um, she and her husband, who is still active in the military, um, and their two kids are living on this planet. The planet is. What getting... are their names? The kids. They everybody. The main character's name is Quinn. The husband. Her husband is Reggie. He's a piece of trash. Um, and then their kids are Lucas and Pinsky Dan. I think Ellie, but we'll go with Pinsky Dan. Yeah, we don't want to soil the good name of Ellie. So they have to evacuate this base, and a group of people, Quinn included, get left behind. At first, they <gasps> just think like those it, Christian books. Yeah. At first, they think it's an accident, but then they figure out that they got left behind on purpose to make room for a bunch of ill-begotten gold. And so. No. It starts off with, like, them figuring out that they had gotten left behind and trying to figure out how to get off this base before the base gets taken over by who they consider to be the enemy, which is the Crimson Empire. No, no, Crimson with a K. Uh, one of the... Right? Yes, Crimson with a K. Um, title case. So... Oh, yes. The, the Roman <laughs> Empire. Yeah, that's fair. Um, 
that's not YA. That's just how these things work. Yeah. That's just proper noun. So the big thing in the beginning is that one of the people that got left behind on base with Quinn is the Admiral's trophy wife. Her name is Tiffany, and they call her Trophany because she's her name is Tiffany, and she's the trophy That's wife. a good one. It's not, though. Um, no. She's trying to, like... So this this woman is um, the kind of a stereotypical, like, rich, white, suburban mom who has, like, too much money and too much time on her hands. The, the Tiffany, the trophy wife. And so she's just trying to get everybody to share their feelings about being left behind. And so she's trying to organize, like, we're going to have circle time. Everyone's going to share their feelings, but you can only share their your feelings when you have the talking scarf. Ah, the and, scarf. Mm-hmm, they couldn't find a talking stick, so they what, used a talking scarf. Was Kirk Cameron there? Um, Is that a Star Trek thing? No, that's Captain Kirk as a Star Trek oh, thing. Who's Kirk Cameron? Kirk Cameron was, I believe, in the Left Behinds. And if he wasn't, he should have been because he's that mm. kind of... He's that kind of guy. Actor, yeah. She also uses the phrase, you must honor the process a lot, which really reminds Joel me... Joel Embiid? Really reminds me of grad school because people used to say that all the time in that's grad beca- school and it made me really mad. That's because you went to grad school in 2016, which is when... Uh, no, you graduated yeah. in 2016. Which is when the 76ers were using that as their... The yeah. fili- what? what? What sport and city are the 76ers? The 76ers. I'm assuming East Coast. So Boston? No. East Coast of that? Yes. I will give you a big hint that the Boston team of this league is the Celtics. Oh, it's the basketball one. Um, nice. Nailed it. Who's... Who would be the 76ers? Virginia. No. A town where a big thing happened in 1776. Wasn't that Boston? It was, well, several big things happened. Philadelphia. Oh, Philadelphia. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay. So how did did we get, how did we get here? (laughs) Oh, trust the process. Oh, trust the process. Um, You must honor the process. So this group of civilians gets left behind on the base. The Crimson Empire is on their way. And so Quinn, our main character, takes the lead. Her main motivation through all of this is that she has got to get back to her kids. So during all of this, they encounter problems and then solve them so quickly that it doesn't actually create any narrative tension at all, um, which I think is a common thing in bibliophile books. Like, oh, we introduced a problem, but then we solve the problem. Like, well, that doesn't really move the plot at all. It's this, just words. For this dish, I'm going to need an onion. I'm going to use that onion over there. Yeah, it's right here. Um, but I, I already, have to slice it. I already have this onion, and I already sliced it. We should have a word for this, like, mise en, pl- mise en place plot. That's hard to say. A mise en plot? Mise en plot. Yeah, mise en plot. That's a good one. I like that a lot. Um, so to give you some examples of this, they find, so they, like, figure out, here's the coordinates on the base of where there's a shuttle. They go to the shuttle coordinates, and there's nothing there. So immediately they have this scanner that allows them to scan and find a hollow spot. And then magically there's a digger where they can dig into the hollow spot to find the shuttle. Mm. So it's just like... And that would be that would be that would have made this book great if there were also wear badgers. Wear badgers in space. Any book is made better by wear badgers. Emma. (laughs) Crime and punishment. War and Peace. The Great Gatsby. Wear badgers in peace. I have a fan theory. I have a fanfic, actually, that makes... Oh, dear. Uh, 
uh, Myrtle's husband, uh, Wear Badger. Oh no, Anna Karenina, but Anna is actually just a Wear Badger that she could dig under the under the train. train it yeah. all works out fine. Um, they hack passwords instantly. I feel like this is also a bibliophile thing. Anything that's like sorry, I'm gonna interrupt you. The Badger's Karasmov. <laughs> Karasmov. Okay, sorry. Um, in any like technology related bibliophile book if anyone has to hack a password they can do it instantly hack it hack wait, it. wait wait i got just the thing for this password one two three um I'm then in. it is discovered that one of the people in their group tony who hey. Quinn has known <laughs> for a very long time ever since her army days is actually a spy from the Crimson Empire. I'm spying here. But he's going to save the group, and he does. And they get off the base, and they get to where their original ship was supposed to be going, and they all promptly get arrested. Hey. Um. So Ooh. Tony somehow manages to be the only one that didn't get arrested. I can't quite remember how that happened. So he goes into My rescue My dad's her. the sheriff. Oh. So this is another thing that I remember from my last several bibliophile books have had a lot of this. Just these absolutely insane types of weapons. And I think that's sort of one of Craig Martell's things, is that he had like, all of these weapons that are just crazy. The Stainless Steel Rat book had a lot of that too. But the prison guard who's guarding Quinn has cybernetic legs programmed to take down potential escapees. They activate if the user has been incapacitated. So, so Tony like takes down this guard and then is like rescuing Quinn and getting her out of her cell and then these like cybernetic legs like clamp onto him and try to take him down. It's the weirdest like, weapon I've ever heard okay, of. Okay, I have a million questions. Okay. Uh, forget my book because this is it. Uh, so he has the robo powers of kicking. That's the she, one. the guard, is an old lady who has these <laughs> robo legs. <laughs> so it's not even like a fetish thing where like Sonya Blade is wrapping her robo legs around. Somebody. No, it's just a weapon to try to. Why not a gun? Well, because she was incapacitated. Why so not this is, a cyber gun? This is a weapon. I, you know, you should take that up with Craig Martell. I'm not done. Okay. It was did the cyber legs come off? No. Clamp. So she was like an unconscious body. Yeah. Now, were the legs like, were, were they scooting her around or did they stand up and her torso was flopped over them? I don't think it went into that much detail. I envisioned it as they were standing up and she was flopped over them was how I saw it in my brain. That's the stupidest thing I've ever it heard. Really, and I love it really truly is. Yeah, it was great. Are you sure the old lady wasn't a wear badger? That... See, I'm telling you, every author of bad books, someone should be aware of Badger. So they stage an escape. It's a whole thing. They get out and they get picked up as soon as they leave the prison or whatever by Tony's family. Oh, Tony is part of the Marconi mob family. Tony Tony Marconi. Marconi. Um, That's almost as bad as Joni Pepperoni, a real name of a private detective. Oh, no. Was that a name of the year? Uh, no, that was not the uh, name of the year, which we forgot to mention on the, the episode that came out closest to that. Joni Pepperoni uh, was a private detective who foiled a murder-for-hire plot. Someone tried to hire a hit woman, and it turned out to be Joni Pepperoni. 
Uh, that is truly incredible. The officer's fake name, uh, her fake name, it wasn't a real, per- real name, Aww. I guess. But she went by Joni Pepperoni and somebody still tried to hire her. That's an amazing fake name. Yeah, thank like, you to... Truly incredible. Brian Grubb, uh, formerly known as Danger Guerrero. Uh, also, per- thank you to Joni Pepperoni. Well, yeah, for stopping that murder. Uh, purveyor of the finest fake names, Danger Guerrero and Brian Grubb is. I love it. So they escape. They get picked up by uh, Tony Marconi's family, his mob family, which is led by his grandmother. Uh, they're all spies. Leone. and their, sh- their ship is called the Millennium Peregrine. Listen. They, like, call it out, too, and they're like, well, we tried to call it the Millennium Falcon, but that one was trademarked. That sucks, but... (laughs) Um, I might have believed that, A, this takes place in the Star Wars universe, or, B, Star Wars is a story, like, is a property in this novel. I would guess that Star Wars is a property in this novel. I do not think it is set in the Star Wars universe because we don't really have any interaction at all with aliens, which is an interesting way to take your space-themed book. They're like, we're going to have this space book, but there's not going to be any aliens. It's just a bunch of humans doing the same shitty human stuff, but in space. But in space. But in space. Uh, Tony, a lot of Tony's family members live on the Millennium Peregrine, including his 19... Yeah, we can just say the ship. Including his 19-year-old niece, Doreen. And Doreen is... The way that she is written, everyone talks about how she's this, like, stereotypical bratty teen... A I 19 like year old that, typically. That's exactly yeah. what I thought. I'm like, that's not really 19 year old. 13 to 15 kind of thing. Yeah, maybe 16 if you're pushing it. But that is like 19 year olds are a- adults. Like, Literally. Some of them may be college students. Many of them have jobs. Like, that's not really like a typical 19 year old behavior, but whatever. So their goal now. They just vape a lot. When. Um, I feel like Doreen totally would have vaped. If we were playing which one vapes of all the characters in this, it would definitely be Doreen. Nice. Um, or the grandma. Who vapes in Emma? I bet the grandma vapes. Um, Mr. Woodhouse, Emma's dad, totally No, vapes. I did not read that book, but he's incredibly health conscious <laughs> and neurotic. Okay, then uh, Emma's brother-in-law, Mr. John Knightley. He vapes. I think Emma. Mm. I think Emma vapes. I, and I, think I can you see that too. Overlooked her because it was in the title. Anyway. I can see that too. Um, I think Emma is the only character whose name you remembered. So. <laughs> um. So now they're playing. They have escaped, right? Tony has busted Quinn out of jail, but now she wants to find her kids because when she got thrown in prison, they took her kids away, gave them to her husband, who has promptly divorced her because she thinks he thinks that her being in prison is bad for his career. Um, He does not care that she was wrongfully imprisoned and is kind of a piece of trash. His name is Reggie. We don't like Reggie. Um, Reggie is like old money. is a super rich family. You know how old money typically gets involved in the military? Who colonized this planet and they take advantage of all of the people. They stole the secrets of potato farming from the peasants that live on this planet and then they basically enslave them to farm their potatoes. In the words of don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. Nasty! 
those were that was a unique combination of words that i have not heard before it was an early wayne's brothers movie parodying boys in the hood and those sorts of movies okay it's pretty funny so they're trying to find the kids and doreen decides that she's going to try to help so they go to um reggie's family's home planet which is where the kids are and quinn and tony are going to try to break into the house and find the daughter while doreen goes and tries to find lucas um, every chapter in this book ends with them opening a door and encountering an enemy. <laughs> and it's like, it's very predictable. Like, they open the door and um, there's this jump, person. Jump, or they jump, open the door jump. and a gun is pointed at their head. Every single chapter for like probably the middle 60% of this book ends like that. Yeah. I'm think I'm trying to think of like four different video games battle themes and I can't. Oh. All I can think of is the uh, Final Fantasy VII victory music, but I have since spliced in what the one I was trying to think of, which is the original Pokemon battle music. Which is what? Good, good pull. Good pull, Dickinson. Um, Editing. I made a note in here, as I already mentioned, that this book reminds me in a lot of ways of the Bombay family books, which I actually really enjoyed. We got those for Bibliovile. I wound up reading all of them. I had the flu, and I read them all, and I thought they were a lot of fun. Um, but anyway, they wind up finding the kids. A lot of shenanigans ensue, um, but they do find the kids. They take them away from Reggie. They cause a lot of chaos on his family's home planet. We I'm causing chaos Super, super hate Quinn's ex-mother-in-law. She's rich and terrible. Um, and I then, miss those two things. I mean, honestly, yeah. So then at the very end, Quinn is supposed to be... She got separated from the rest of the group, so she's supposed to be picking them up in the shuttle, and she's supposed to be doing a very complicated pickup maneuver she is a novice pilot in an unfamiliar aircraft that she has never flown before. The last time she flew any type of aircraft was like 20 years ago. And of course, she pulls it off flawlessly. Nice. So, you know, all kinds of beginner's luck in this book. Um, but in the end, Quinn and the kids escape to the Crimson Empire, which Tony is a spy for the Crimson Empire. So he's like, everybody else other than like your government just calls it the Commonwealth. Like... It's not a bad thing. Like, it's your government that's the enemy, not the Crimson Empire. Ah, so she comes to, like, sort of recognize this. The Crimson Empire slash the Commonwealth, like, helps her, like, find a new identity, get the kids in school. She has a place. They, like, settle down. So she defects to Soviet Russia. Exactly. Um, but throughout the whole book, she has been wondering, like, what am I going to owe Tony? Like, you don't get help from the mob in rescuing your kids and breaking you out of jail without owing them something. So like, what is it that he, he or she's going to owe him? No, they actually don't wind up together, which I liked. Um, it's book one. Yeah, that's fair. It is book one because the very last sentence, she gets a call from Tony. Um, basically, like... There's another adventure to be had. And that's going to take us to book number two. So she will continue her involvement with the Marconi crime family um, due to the debt she owes to Tony Marconi. 
Wow. It was it was kind of fun. The writing was so much better than the other Craig Martell book that I read. Um, I give props to Julia Hooney. She she did good work. Um, yeah. There nice. were some very silly things, like the Millennium Peregrine. That straight sucks butt. <laughs> not gonna lie. It's not great. It's not great. I did really appreciate the, like, the talking scarf, and you have to trust the process. Um, there were, like, there was some good humor in it every once in a while. I liked the main character, Mad Mob Mom. She was great. I liked, uh, Mad Mob Grandma, too. She was also good. Um, I felt like there were really good female characters that weren't, like, strong female characters. It's a woman who can punch! Yeah. They were, like, just characters can who you happen to be women. Can you believe this vagina's attached to punching arms? Um, I do really have to laugh, though, because <laughs> much like Stainless Steel Rat and the last uh, Craig Martell book that I read, if you look on Amazon at the cover of this book, the person on the cover is nothing like Quinn is described. Like, maybe that's supposed to be Doreen, the 19-year-old, but it is, like, a young woman in very tight spandex. It's Olivia um, Wilde. And, like, uh, the whole thing about Quinn is that she's this, like, middle-aged mom with two kids who is former military and, like, she talks, like, she'll make a lot of jokes whenever they're writing about, like, I knew I should have done more cardio, like... Uh-huh. She definitely does not look like that. It's Olivia Wilde with a Star Trek tattoo mm-hmm. and then wearing a Mass Effect jumpsuit, basically. With the Millennium Falcon in the background. No, that's the Tanty 4. No, it's the Millennium Peregrine. No, it's the Tanty 4, uh, <laughs> the spaceship that Princess Leia was originally in at the beginning of the first Star Wars movie. Oh, yeah, episode 4, A New Hope. Oh. That's about. Which character the does limit. not get a medal? At the end of A New Hope. Um, that should have. Chewbacca. Correct. When you, I knew it when you said that should have. What's the Boston basketball team's name? The Celtics. Uh, wrong. The Celtics. Celtics. That's stupid. <laughs> I know. Anyway. And I said it wrong earlier. In the uh, so tell me about the fairer hex. <clears throat> the fairer hex, much like my golfing game, starts out rough. <laughs> you uh, don't start out in the rough. You're supposed to start out on the tee. I'm very bad at golf. <laughs> It was not good when I opened the book to the table of contents on my Kindle and saw that it had 49 chapters. Yeah, but were those chapters, like, a page and a half long? They were not. Oh, it was a big boy? I got oh, you a they, big boy? no, actually, they were. Sorry, oh. I assumed you were going to ask, were they very long? And I was trying to arrange Oh, so Kindle. you weren't listening to what I was saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it started out rough, and then I don't know if I fell into the vibe of it or if it got better, but it ended up being... One of the quintessential, like, guilty pleasure books. Okay. You mentioned the Bombay family vibes. And I think that, like, if you wanted to read a smuttier book, then this might be the guilty pleasure. Ooh, it got smutty. Not quite, but I bet it will. Okay. Okay. So the fair... Wait, did you finish it? Yeah. Oh, you mean, like, the series will? Okay, okay, okay. Come on. Like, we ever read a one-book-off kind of thing. Or the children of the Uh, Nothing, especially, like, sci-fi fantasy. Anything with... Like, urban fantasy, shifters, space, whatever. Nothing is standalone. I will Everything say, is a trilogy. In the past couple of weeks, we have not been reading these things. So as the band Stain said, it's been a while since we have read a uh, urban, urban fantasy, fantasy book. Yeah. So this takes place in Georgia, in the Appalachian Mountains. Mm, okay. uh, 
I saw 49 chapters. I was worried. And then the first line of the book is, Charlotte, dad screamed my name. At least it's past tense. Dad mm. screamed my name from downstairs, interrupting a pretty important fight with a dragon in my favorite MMMO, MMORPG. Oh, no. Massively multiplayer online role-playing game. And that, to be the first line, was like, ooh, ooh. Oh, jeez. Yeah, you were not super happy with me during the first several chapters of this book. Yeah, um, so things happen. She gets a letter from basically Hogwarts and names it like it's a letter from Hogwarts. And it's like, you can't name Hogwarts in a story about a witch going to a witch school. That's all about mommy issues. Like, that's... You know how Fifty Shades of Grey was Twilight fiction by fan fiction by Snow Queen's Ice Dragon and yeah. then got legitimized into Fifty Shades of Grey by E.L. James? Yep. This is pretty clearly started out as as Harry Potter fan fiction and then got mildly legitimized. And yeah, so- but I don't think in... You have to give Fifty Shades at least this much credit. I don't think in Fifty Shades they reference Twilight. Yeah, so this one got even less of a... Uh, a magnifying glass check to make sure they had eliminated it uh there's of course shifters in this book she is uh, descended from shifters this is mentioned like it's a car title that her mother is leaving to you uh (laughs) so this annoyed me to no end at the beginning this sort of writing but i think it did grow on me because now i find it funny so this is the single dad talking to her daughter who The book just goes through every step to make sure we know is a hot topic. Panic at the disco. Had some safety pins on her sleeves. I'm not like most girls kind of girl. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's the girl we're working with. Whose name I forget. But (laughs) it's from... Oh, Charlotte. Sorry. So this is the dad speaking. Your mom's mother was an ethereal witch from a very old witch family. That's the good side, basically. Okay. But I'm willing to bet we find out that the good side's not necessarily so good in the coming uh-huh. But anyway, ethereal witch from a very old witch family. Her father was a sinestral, the bad side, sinister, okay. uh, demon who could turn into a wolf. So a werewolf, basically. I mean, let me back up. Magic is real. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. It annoyed me when this is on page 12, but coming back to it, I did think that that was a little bit humorous. Yeah. Uh, Let me back up. Magic is real. Uh, So let me just get through the, uh, I was really not having a good time with this at the beginning. Uh, In this universe, all witches and wizards have a familiar, warlocks they're called, but they have a familiar. And so this familiar, kind of like Golden Compass, is like there's one for you and yep. it was born when you were born uh but unlike the golden compass it, in the golden compass it can, when you're a kid it can change to multiple different animals yes in this one it can be like a human or an animal it can also disappear back to what other world would have called elestrial like the okay. fey world or whatever okay. hers is Furian, and Furian, since she was not supposed to know that magic existed her mom tried to like bind her magic so that she wouldn't be drawn into the whole magical thing okay she never had been allowed to meet Therian, but he was still around since he's, like, tied to her or whatever. And so he's trying to explain how he was there. So what shape does he take? Well, I'll get to that. Okay. Uh, so she actually met him through playing that MMORPG, Dragon's Quest or something okay. like that. World uh, of Warcraft. Basically, yes. World of Warcraft, which... 
at one point they're on a quest to kill kobolds and it's like pitched as this really difficult quest and it's like aren't those really low level yeah kobolds are like the the basically one step above rats in the sewer i feel like uh i think i remember you having us fight kobolds in our first D. very first D, yeah. uh very game of thrones influenced anyway so he's telling your, her about like, hey, actually, I was your gaming partner that you thought you were kind of flirting with, and I'm also kind of part of you, and you're also kind of your brother, but also kind of not. Like, it is kind of like a weird sort of, this person was born when I was born because I was born, but they're not me, but he's really hot. And so anyway. Uh, no one can see this, but I'm making quite a face right now. Yeah. Um, well, it's like, imagine if your imaginary friend could be smooched. Okay. Like, it's not, like, it's not your brother, right? Yeah. It's, like, your imaginary friend. Okay. And they always seem to be of the opposite sex. Mm. Uh, so he says, I guess I was spying in the yard. In the yard? I'm the fox. In your, he said, in your yard. The fox? You kept trying to feed me dog food when you were younger. I know about the fox. You're the fox. Oh, my in the God. yard. He He's the fox in the yard. We only Hi, had to say it chariot. once. He's the fox in the yard. Yeah, so sometimes it does that. At one point, uh, when she meets him, she says, and it is written at, or he has golden eyes, of course. Of course. I'm surprised. Are they flecked with a violet? Not that I know of, but he's very hot and very, he's very fox-like. Apparently, there's just a oh, thing. Oh, like Mario. You know, like Mario. Uh, she is supposed to be asked a question, but she's not paying attention because this dude who, do, she doesn't understand, like she doesn't know familiars, and so she meets just this otherworldly hot guy. Okay. And she is asked a question, and she says, Mo what? M-U-H space W-U-T. <sighs> okay. Uh, but she has been sent an acceptance letter from an all-boys magic school. She is a girl, but for some reason she has been accepted into this all-boys magic school, and they refuse to not let her come because someone has put her name into the Goblet of Fire, as it were, mm-hmm. and we need to protect her until we figure out who. Basically, so our So it's author, the fourth Harry Potter book. <laughs> basically, our author had an idea of something that would be really sexy to masturbate to and then had to figure out why oh, there was a, this is just jerk off you know i let me write a book about the thing i jerk off to uh and so she uh wrote a figured out a reason why she would be the only girl in an all-boys school mm-hmm. which that that could not be done the other way in literature it would just be a porno uh of course it's the girl going to the all-boys school yeah. that's the literature yeah anyway so she's going to the uh school she talks more with her familiar about going and he changes from a fox into a person and manifests clothes as he's changing and the point when this book started to win me over, even though I found it annoying at the time, is that she was very uh, happy that he manifested clothes because she, quote, could not handle a schlong right now. <laughs> uh, there's, of course, a council. Of course there's a council. There has to be a council. So she is book. preparing to go to the school. Uh, quote, whatever I decided, it seemed like I really didn't have much choice. On September 12th, which is very late to be starting to go to mm-hmm. a college, this is, this is, she's, uh, was going to go to university. She's a freshman in college. Okay. Age. So this isn't like kid magic school, like in no, Harry Potter. This is like magic college. college. Which allows for boners. Yeah. Uh, on September and 12th. frats and parties. Kind of. Uh, I woke up wondering if anything would happen. It seemed like just an ordinary day. The sun was shining, the birds were chirping, my phone rang at 8am and I freaked out, but it was just some credit card scam. Hey, 
I'm going to let you in on a little secret, book writers. If nothing happens, you don't, you, you write don't have it. to say it. Yeah. You get to choose what doesn't go into the book, too. Also, I'm very interested that technology still works at her magic school. So I will say the author does address that. Okay. That wizards are presented at, like, one of the major wizards we meet is from the Habsburgs. Okay. Like the Austrian Habsburgs. Yeah. And he's like the rich, richy rich. And so there's like a very old, there's like a old money sort of trend. And okay. like uh, everyone lives in Victorian mansions. Like the dorms are basically subletted Victorian houses and stuff like that. And it is straight up uh, laid out that basically the magic world ceased to be relevant to the day to day lives of everybody else after the industrial revolution because basically like technology started doing whatever magic could obviously not to the talking to the dead stuff but like they lost their grip on power because capital took it over or whatever i wish it took that tack of capital that'd be very interesting yeah you know osseo means of production anyway (laughs) so i will say they did uh address that now this book did grow on me, but not very quickly because this is a uh, 10% of the way book. I'm still dealing with this. As soon as I stepped out of the car at the magic school, people were staring at me. I seemed to be the only girl in the whole place. Quote, am I the only girl in the whole place? Oh, I asked Mr. Flores. <laughs> Why does she love to just repeat phrases? Well, the he, fox he says, in the yard? He says, no, there's a girl working in the kitchen. I'm having my office redecorated. There's two other girls. Uh-huh. And then to herself, the only girl in the whole place. The fox in the yard? You were the fox? The fox and the socks. Uh, But then it does start getting legitimately funny. This one, I think, I know I've said this before, but was the turning point from things I can look back and say were funny to things that did start to get a chuckle out of me. Uh, Like I said, this is very uptight old money. The first guy was very buttoned down with... This is after she gets out of the car. I highlighted this along with 69 others. Nice. (laughs) Uh, Very buttoned down with his tie, not as tight against his neck as it could go. Short hair combed back like he went to the hairdresser and said, Give me the rich douche. (laughs) Uh, He was very blonde, like his... Like his eyebrows were disappearing with very blue eyes, and he was almost as tall as Ferran. He had the look of a prick who is used to having everything his way. Uh, so as she gets into the school, she is made to be roommates with an incubus, a half incubus. Also a girl, or this is a boy? She's the only girl in the whole place. Okay. I think we've stressed that. You're right. You have, I, well. I'm kidding. Uh, an incubus is always a boy. Okay. A succubus is a girl. Yes. So this is a half incubus who is like craves sex and wants to have it all the time and she's the only girl in the whole place as she's mentioned but they put a a spell on him that he can't touch her for more than like two seconds at a time or else he gets like driven back through magical force like he gets like a shock collar put on him basically okay uh so that is a name that starts with a i forget it alan or alan or something like that um and so she rooms with him which is all whole uh you know flat waving herself down Mm. it's so hot and she's gonna be sleeping next to this and he's all super super hot and everything like this uh then she meets uh another guy (laughs) i really should have read these that montague uh montague who is a vampire who was changed over summer break into a vampire I will say, different take on vampires, they hold back a lot of their stuff with, like, magic and spells and tonics, so he can go out in the sun, which is kind of lame, but uh, 
slowly but surely, vampires take on the memories of those who bit them. So, like, the guy who bit me, I remember parts of his life, and then I remember oh. the guy who bit him. And slowly but surely, when we get back to, like, the head vampire, the guy who started all of us, yeah. then there's, like, some sort of call, and we all... Uh, eventually go to try to be his servants or something like okay. that. Okay. So there's like a, he's fighting a losing battle to keep his, his wits about him and stuff. Okay. Like that. So it's kind of a different take. I have a quick question about the magic. Uh-huh. Is this Harry Potter, we do our magic with wands? Is this it like was Terry the- Pratchett spells and potions? There are no potions classes is- and they mention Alan Rickman being dead. Okay. Um, or is this Sabrina the Teenage Witch pointer finger? This does not get a huge there is a lot of learning that goes into what you're supposed to do some people say things out loud to create spells they are not like latin sometimes they just like say things you know how cammy would sometimes just make up a little ditty. yeah uh the most thing it reminded me of is avatar like she seems to bend and create fire and stuff oh, like, like that. the last airbender yes not like, not like the, the blue people okay. yeah um because she's would you get this naturally really good at it of especially course she is even the, though she didn't know magic was real until 10 minutes ago yeah she is at the warlock school which is you know it's old money and old conservatism and so all the witches go to the witch school to learn things like enchantment and divination and lady magic midwifery and all the boys learn destructive protective magic because women can't handle it and it is called that as being stupid in the book like okay. one of the things she's like doing that. is like that's bullshit like watch yeah. fire and so it's it's kind of, you know, it gets a little bit of a pass. Yeah. Um. So she meets the incubus that she rooms with. She meets the vampire who just sort of mentions he's a vampire. And it takes until like three pages later for her to do her thing where she's like, what? You're a vampire? What? You're the fox in the yard? And then the fox in the yard comes with her. And that is a big taboo because that's like a, an imaginary friend stuffed animal sort of vibe. They help you do your magic. But usually once you get to puberty, you send them back to like, Illustrial, basically. Yeah. And you don't need them anymore. And so the fact that he's still around because she just met him and doesn't know what's going on and needs sort of... She's the uh, audience surrogate. So Ron is our explainer to the world. And so she gets, like, a lot of bullying, not only because she's a girl, but also because she's basically holding a teddy bear yeah. who's really hot. Um, So she has those three guys. And then there's Harris, who is the Habsburg wizard, just full human and a total asshole and has no redeeming qualities, and she falls in love with all of them. Does she marry all of them? Do no, we have a cami situation she is on dating hands? three out of the four of them by the end of the book. Love it. But the thing is that it's uh, each of them provides a different sort of jerk-off material, like the incubus is just like oh so hot mm-hmm. and he just wants me so bad it's just lust yeah and then there's the vampire who's kind of like the bad boy and then there's the fron who's the kind of like the overprotective taboo because he mm-hmm. since he's still like a part of her she realizes by the end after they've made out a whole bunch which is kind of funny because it just lists them as making out <laughs> doesn't um, actually describe it at all no uh so the the familiar is very taboo she thinks it's only because like they don't count him as a real person but at near the end of the book when she's like hey i'm dating these two guys already like i'm april ludgate from parks and rec i want to date you too they're kind of cool with it even though they think it's weird and he very clearly doesn't want to but it's like i cannot say no like i'm i'm part of your life force or whatever. Yeah. and so then she gets why it's taboo and pledges to be the best 
controlling girlfriend she can be, basically. Gross. <laughs> um, and so she's in this triumvirate and very clearly has feelings for Harris, but he's designated to be married to somebody else. But anyway, so the Furon gets this sort of, he's like a pet boyfriend combo is listed several times because he can turn into a fuzzy fox yeah. if she needs. Um, not a lot of sex happens. She starts by smooching the uh, vampire boys, the first one. He, she later brews him tea during their time together so that he can drink it and have his tongue not be cold. It's legitimately kind of like, I think it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's kind times. of funny. Uh, what happens with the spell on the incubus? Uh, Does sh- that get lifted? No. So he can't touch her in real life. Uh, uh, so, ooh, hold on. The incubus is the first one to kind of be dealt with in a lot of ways. Uh, the spell, they can't physically touch, but he can enter her dreams. And uh-huh, so, so they just have dream doing it. Kind of. They never do it. One of the times she's in the sh- she's dreaming about showering, and since it's a book, it like cuts to her showering. And then he comes in and she's cool with it and he's really naked and has a big, huge cock, which is pretty funny because we went from being like, yeah, we made out, like we were at the panic yeah. at the disco concert and we made out. And then it was like, he's got a rock hard cock. Uh, <laughs> and so he enters her dreams and, and basically uh, uses the shower head. But before she has an orgasm, she realizes that something is off and she wakes up. And so she basically had like 98% of a wet dream and he was not able to get that because he feeds off sexual energy sort of thing. Uh, She's cool with the whole feeding thing because she wants to have an orgasm. But anyway, uh, so he can enter her dreams and now she knows the contents of his pants. I felt, uh, (laughs) quote, I felt a compulsion to name it the big rig. Nah, I can get I can get more personalized than that. This one's my favorite. The semen demon. Oh, my God. A little, a little too you. The Incubuster, Incubuster two thousand, and so oh that's God. a that's a little funny turn. So she is constantly horny around him, and he's constantly horny around her due to magic. Uh, then the vampire wants to, but every time he starts to get like real hot and heavy, he fades into one of his like former memories and calls her by the wrong name, like because it's the old girl that he's yeah. falling in love with, and it's a whole thing. Uh, so they agree, him and the, uh, Alec, sorry, is the incubus. So Montague and Alec decide they're going to try and dual date. Uh, Montague says, you can't break up with this because we're not actually dating, are we? She says, that's right. We're not dating and I'm not breaking up with you. I just need to focus. I want to be a powerful witch so I can't dick around. (laughs) And the vampire says, pun intended. Yeah. So I thought dick around is a pretty good way of, uh, pretty funny way of doing it uh so the montague character provides the the dark bad boy sort of thing i want to rescue him then the uh Ferran provides the little t- the, your hot cousin that you want to make out with i guess uh, taboo uh and the protective one and then harris the absolute asshole who absolutely no one likes but still is for some reason she's into him um but this description is pretty good a black cap with flaps covered Harris's fair hair. With his ice blue eyes and arrogant expression, he would breeze through a casting call for, and this is in title case, young German officer who kicks down a door, yells stuff, finds Anne Frank's hideout. <laughs> okay, I, I like that. Yeah, so funny. She, the, we're getting places. I'm actually not going to explain where this all goes. They try to summon her mom, who might be a demon. Uh, and it goes places, and they never really figure out who got her into the school because her famous necromancer cousin died, and 
And it's it's part one. No sex is had. The incubus enters a different dream, and, and now she's like, okay, this is a dream that you've entered. Mm-hmm. And so he through a sheet because they can't technically touch finger blasts her in her dream in a room on christmas oh my god and it's her first it's her first and it's pitched as him to her orgasm and it's like she masturbates which is like finally a book where people jerk off and he's like people been doing it you think that this is like a really weird thing for someone listening to probably hear but it's kind of a relief in a book about a teenage girl with a lot of lust and angst to be like no they people masturbate <laughs> so it's like they she knows and whatever and the incubus sometimes will jerk off if he's too like you know drawn because he's a you know person anyway so that's that's as close as we get to doing it is a through the sheet a uh, finger banging um oh in her house on christmas so anyway i will say you know this was dumb and it was uh pretty stupid oh at one point they break into a house uh, and so they have to invite the vampire in. Yeah. <laughs> you can't enter. Aww. They have to turn around and invite him in. Uh, her harem of... Ha- uh, Harris has not been added yet, but Harris, Alec, and Montague, the, the faculty calls Ham. Uh, her mom, the sinestral-sided, like, dark side, uh, tries to get her to come to the dark side by reminding her how not only how much power could be had, but how much boning. Uh, and so it's really weird that her mom is trying to get her laid. Uh, and at the very end of the book, it ends much like any Harry Potter book ends. And that is by the main character. Going home and back into the muggle world. Oh, that's the very, that's like the last scene. What's okay. like after the climax, what happens? Like the next. They're in, they're in the hospital. They're in, they wake up in the infirmary. Just yep. like any good Harry Potter mm-hmm. post-climax. Except it's not the good kind of post-climax. <laughs> So that, Hopefully the post that kind of climax doesn't leave you in the hospital. Does leave you in in the middle of the sheets though. But anyway, Lydia Foxgloves is the fair hex. Uh, really lets the id shine through, and at first it annoyed me, but it won me over. If you need a guilty pleasure sex book on Kindle for very cheap, you could do worse than this one. I'm willing to bet. Uh, dicks will be had, cami style. Uh, that's why I comment. I feel like my book had some definite. Bombay family of assassins vibes, yeah. and yours had a little bit of other world vibes in certain gonna, ways. In certain ways, I'm not gonna drag Yasmin's Miss or Mistress Galanorn's name no. through the mud. She she's queen. So uh, anyway, yeah, that was that was the fair hex. I finished it at my parents or my parent in law's house, which is kind of weird. Reading about an incubus finger banging a girl through the sheets, and then being like, uh, yeah, mother in law, I'd love to come play a board game. <laughs> So Want to come play Parcheesi? Yeah. No, just, <laughs> just give me a second. Um, pretty, pretty good. Uh, pretty, pretty good couple weeks of books pretty, here, Dickinson. Pretty good. Yeah, could be worse. Could, could be have been blood of the children. So much worse. Could have been. Anyway, we have I'm not. I'm sure you'll yet, try next time. We have not yet picked out books for next time. I was very much hoping that our local library would be opening up. It will not be for, for a bit. good reason. For good reason. That is absolutely fair. Um, one of my college friends. Um, we Skyped recently and he is a librarian and he was telling me that one of the things that his library does is obviously if you want a book you can call them and say hey I would like this book and then they will put it on hold I for you and don't get it. don't the Iowa City Public Library. But another thing that, that you can do is if you're like hey I don't know what book I want but I want some new books you tell them what you like some of your favorite books, what genres you're into, and someone, a, a library person, 
we'll go browse the stacks and get you books. And man, I wish our library was doing that because that would be a fun episode. That would be. I wish we put it at the. We could put this at the beginning and say like, how would you describe uh, a bibli- the dream bibliophile book to a librarian? I would describe the cover of Midnight Sins, and then I would say some books that I'm looking for might contain the words Midnight Sins, Blood, Magic. Um, what are some other good like bibliophile kind of words? Um, Empress. Empress, yeah. Um, Knight. Duke. Knight. Yeah, Knight. Duke. Duke. Shadow. Mm, streets. Mm-hmm. Streets. Streets is a good one. For plot, I'd say... Okay, so they're like, what kind of book do you want? I want a book that's no more than 300 pages. Yep. It needs to have at least five names on the back cover, mm-hmm. and preferably three capitalizations. Yeah, I was going to say, than those lots names. of title case. Yeah. Yeah. But that's how I do. So if you are able, go ahead and get your library to check you out a bibliophile book and let us know how it goes. And uh, maybe I'll make Mick read it. No. <laughs> um, please be sure and share the show. Now that it's on Spotify, that should be a little bit easier since it's off of the worst platform, the devil's platform. Tim Cook uh, should cook himself up a big slice of humble pie and learn how to make a program. Uh, follow us on Spotify and Twitter where you can find me at Dickie Ma and the show at Bibliovile. And I'm at Susan J. Um, the intro music for our podcast is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. I love you, Spotify. Good night, Jake.